As we continue just week two of this series, Walking with Jesus through 1 John, I think the first question to start with is, which John? Well, John, we know, is son of Zebedee and brother of James, and all three of them, we're told, are, were fishermen. This is also the John who authored a very significant portion of our New Testament, including the fourth gospel, first, second, and third John, and the book of Revelation. He was so respected in the early church that he was known as the elder, or Greek, the bishop. He served over the church in Ephesus when he moved there sometime during the Jewish wars, A.D. 66 to A.D. 70. When John was called by Jesus when they were casting nets, he was probably a teenager, one of the youngest likely of the disciples, and John is the last living of the 12 disciples, probably even into the late 90s A.D. or even into the 100 A.D.s. So this is the John who was one of the inner circle with Jesus. There were the 12 apostles, but in that group, the inner circle was Peter, James, and John. He was one of the three who got to see Jesus turn white like lightning on the top of the Mount of Transfiguration. He was the one at the Last Supper who was reclining next to Jesus at that table. He was there at the cross when Jesus was crucified. From the cross, Jesus looked at John and said, This is your mother. Jesus entrusted his own mother Mary to John's continued care. And John was there at the cross when the soldier rammed the spear into Jesus' side. And John says he saw blood and water flowing from Jesus separately. And when they heard that the tomb was empty, the stone had been rolled back, John mentions that he outran Peter to the tomb Easter morning. And John peeped inside. Not only was it empty, but he saw the linen cloth of Jesus empty. And John was there sometime after Easter when Jesus gave them that huge haul of fish, 153. And Jesus had a breakfast fire for them that morning on the Sea of Galilee's shore. So in the first part of this epistle, John says, we heard him, we saw him, we touched him. Him, so we can trust every single word that John tells us in this letter about Jesus. And so, if that is the John who authored this 
epistle, the next question for us is why spend a summer, 10 weeks, working through this epistle? Five things come to mind. His letter gives us a very fresh look at both the divinity and the humanity of Jesus. In this letter, we also have an invitation to help us test the genuineness of our Christian faith. And John, in this letter, calls us to fend off the staining effects of worldliness. And in this letter, John tells us repeatedly about the importance of sound doctrine as we walk even today among false Christ, antichrist, false prophets, and false teachings. And he reminds us that to follow Jesus is to walk in his love and in obedience to all of his words. I think we can see how much growth we can expect in our walk with Jesus through just this short epistle. The text that we read for today, if I could distill all of those words from the rest of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2 into one statement, it would be this. That the best walk in this life is to walk with God. There are many different paths that are constantly before us on this journey. Many, many choices that we can make. And yet the best one, and it's not even close, is to walk with God. John, in our section, is going to give us four reasons why this is indeed the best walk that we can make in our time here. Let's look at his words again in verse 5. John says, This is the message we have heard from him, Jesus, and are proclaiming to you that God is light and there is no darkness in him whatsoever. The first part, this is the message we have heard from him. John is emphasizing that this is not from John. What we are reading is not made up by any of the apostles, but John heard these words. This was the message of Jesus Christ himself. Jesus said, God is light. And there is no darkness whatsoever. This is an absolute statement about the essence of our God. He is only light. There is not one hue, one shade, one teeny weeny bit of darkness or ill intent in our Lord. And so... 
If our God is only light, to walk with this God is to walk where? In the light. Conversely, to walk anywhere else in this life is to walk where? In darkness. Because God alone is light. Have you ever tried to make your way in the dark? Maybe not just in your own bedroom at night or in the house, in the kitchen at night. But maybe you were staying at someone's house for a first time. Or you were staying in a hotel room for the first time and you had to get up in the middle of the night to use the restroom. And did you ever stub your toe, maybe even break your pinky toe on a piece of luggage or the corner post of your bed? Or have you ever nailed your shin on the end board of your bed? Or did you ever accidentally in the dark walk into a wall or maybe even bang your head on a doorpost? I remember when we were in New York, western New York, we were camping on the shores of Lake Ontario at a state park, tent camping, and in the middle of the night I had to use the restroom and we were quite a ways from the bathhouse, so the only light that I could see was in the distance of those public restrooms, and as I was making my way in the sleep fog and the darkness of the night, I stepped in a little hole and rolled my ankle and I remember the pain for about an hour. Any of you in the dark want to go hike a nature trail or one of our national parks? Any of you want to go explore the area of Chicago at night in the dark? See, the darkness is not just unsettling and terrifying. Darkness itself is physically dangerous. If that's true of darkness physically, we can only imagine the implication of darkness spiritually. When we look at Scripture... The Bible equates darkness with lying and with untruth and with the evil one and with evil. It equates darkness with human sin and ignorance or foolishness. It equates darkness with unbelief and death and associates darkness with hell and eternal suffering. And to the outer darkness, Jesus says, the blackest of black, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The danger, the path of darkness spiritually. That is why John goes on in verse 6 to warn Christians. He says, if we say that we have fellowship with God, 
Yet we ourselves are walking in darkness as a way of life, we could add. Then we are lying. And we are not doing the truth. In other words, he's saying it is so dangerous if there is a professing Christian who might say, yeah, I know God. Me and God are tight. We go way back. Yeah, I would, I would identify myself as a Christian. But if this individual is continuing in deeds of darkness without any remorse or repentance, and it is a real way of life for them, John is calling us out, saying we are merely lying and not doing the truth. But again... Conversely, if we are walking in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us, purifies us from all sin. He says when we walk in God's light, the first reality is that we have a real intimate fellowship with one another. Nowhere in the Bible do we ever read Jesus and me, Jesus and me. We only read Jesus and we. Jesus and we. We are the band of Christian brothers. The closest family this side of heaven is right here in our midst, perfectly one in Jesus Christ. Perfectly one when we come to his table to feast with our Lord. When we walk in his light, we are not just in unbelievably close fellowship with one another. But John says the other profound reality is that the blood of Jesus, his son, is cleansing us from every spot and sin. The most powerful detergent this world will ever know is the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no nook, there is no cranny in the deepest recesses of our hearts or souls that the light of Jesus Christ does not penetrate and expose the sin that is there and expel it. Completely drive it away. Friends, if this is not enough, Proof that the best walk in this life is a walk with God. He is absolute light. We have real intimate fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus covers all sin. John has one more. One more proof. 
that this is the best walk. Look at how he continues at the beginning of chapter 2. My little children, the words of the elder, his love and affection for the readers of this letter. I write these things to you so that you may not sin. That is always the Christian goal, isn't it? That is always the right attitude. That I don't try to deny my sin or excuse my sin or overlook my sin. But I hate my own sin and it bothers me and it drives me to remorse and confession and the desire with the Spirit to forsake it. But look how he continues. But if someone, meaning a believing Christian, does sin, we have a paraclete with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Notice John includes himself in this daily battle. If someone, a believing Christian, does sin, we have, including John himself. What is a paraclete? It's a real transliteration of this word from Greek to English. One scholar studied the use of this word from 400 B.C. to 200 A.D. And almost exclusively, the vast majority of the times that this word was used in Greek literature, and it's the same thing that John has in mind here when he uses pericle, this word was a legal term. It was a court word for an appointed attorney or lawyer or advocate. John is saying that in our everyday battle with sin, we have an advocate. We have a defense lawyer before the Father. That every day, Jesus is standing before the Father, pleading our cause, pleading our holiness in Him. And God Himself appointed this defense attorney for us. And He completely covered the cost taking all of the verdict upon himself and standing in our place. We have an advocate in the highest court in the cosmos saying to his father again and again, not guilty. How do we respond to such incredible news and showing of just the depth of God's love for us even when we sin? Well, he wraps up this section in verse 6. 
This is how we respond to such an amazing God. He says, the one who says he abides in Jesus ought himself to walk as Jesus walks. The longer that Jesus abides in us and we in Jesus, the more that we become like Jesus ourselves. Luther called this little Christ. We become little Christ to one another. The more that we are in Jesus and he in us, the more that we begin to think like Jesus and reason like Jesus and pray like Jesus and trust like Jesus and give like Jesus and love like Jesus and fellowship like Jesus and study and know scripture like Jesus, the more we obey like Jesus. Jesus, and the more that we disciple and make disciples like Jesus, the more we truly walk as our Lord walked. Friends, John is so right. The best walk in this life is to walk with God. For to walk with God is to walk in His light. Now and for the life to come. I have some questions to reflect on as we take in this Word of God. When did Jesus break into your darkness with His light? Jesus speaks to the Father on our behalf. How does that change you? And lastly, where is Jesus calling you to walk in his light right now? Go ahead and have a couple minutes to ponder that, share with someone you are with, and then we'll continue our service.